are listening to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast, recorded from the studio of OAC Technology, who provides helpful IT support for businesses. This podcast equips followers of Jesus with apologetics resources to strengthen their faith and build them up as ambassadors for Christ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Lin, and I'm here with my guest, Dylan Kazemi. We are going to talk about how to be productive with time, uh, the time that you have, something that's very important Mm -hmm. for a resource that that we have. Before we get to that, uh, I want to say that if you want to be connected to our group, Twin Cities Apologetics, you can go to our website, TwinCitiesApologetics.com. You can see this podcast posted on there and other content, uh, meetings that we have, all the information is out there. So Dylan, I want to start by talking about yourself. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, perfect, right? Uh, Can you talk about what you're doing currently in life uh, for a job uh, Mm -hmm. and other things going on in general? And you're from Wisconsin. Yes. Right? So... Definitely. Yes, go ahead. Uh, currently, I work as a support advisor. Uh, I'm managing a satellite office in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. I train a few of our associates on how to service their clients. I'm also working a little bit throughout central Wisconsin. I'm, I bounce back and forth a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, married, have a toddler. Uh, I've known Jeremy since college. He actually stood in my wedding. So mm-hmm. it's always great to be able to see him. Yeah, and we had a lunch today before this. Had. Yep. Good conversation. Long, many things to catch up on. So <laughs> glad we had that opportunity. Yeah, very cool. All right. And uh, yeah, for, for your job, you, what do you do for that? I, I meet with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach them the basics of how money works, make sure they have a full financial education because most of us aren't taught how to use money wisely in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of us, our parents don't know how to use money wisely. So we just have to figure things out on our own. And statistically, most people have not figured that out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what we do is uh, help bridge that knowledge gap and then put into place a plan and help them implement it and make sure it falls through. Like I said, I work with clients in addition to training um, some of our younger, less experienced advisors how to service their clients. Mm -hmm. Perfect, very cool. All right, can you also get into your your spiritual background for us a little bit? Uh, What brings you to the, the point where you're at currently from a spiritual standpoint. Mm-hmm, definitely. So I was raised in a church-going family. I say that very intentionally because every Sunday, without fail, we were there, butts in chairs. But I didn't really understand a whole lot of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I could regurgitate a lot of messages and a lot of Bible stories, but I didn't understand really what it meant, what the significance was. Then when I was 12 years old, I was actually reading the Left Behind series. A family friend had got that for me for my birthday. And that was when things really clicked. And I remember very vividly sitting in the back seat of my parents' car, we were driving somewhere. And I was reading the book and I just realized, wow, I need something that I don't have right now. And I remember praying for Jesus to come into my life. And after that point, I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, Everyone in my church and my family, we just assumed that I knew what was going on, that I had a good grasp, but I didn't. So I spent a lot of years wandering, checking out books from the library of different faiths, different philosophies, trying to figure out exactly what it was that I believed. Mm -hmm. And then I got to college and I was introduced to Crew, the campus ministry. And one of the leaders there was able to articulate the gospel very clearly to me. And it was the first time I actually had 
a clear understanding of not only what is true, or at least what I found to be true, mm -hmm. but also what I wanted to be accurate of my life, that mm -hmm. I wanted that relationship with Christ and the Lordship of Christ in my life. Since then, I've been extremely, extremely involved in crew ministry, worked in uh, full-time ministry for a year after graduating college. I've done mission work in the Middle East and a couple of places domestically. And now I do my best to incorporate my beliefs into my business practices with the way that I work with both clients and with uh, our, some of our advisors that I manage. Mm -hmm. And that, you talked about wanting to pursue what is true in mm -hmm. your life, right? Yep. How much did apologetics play into that? What, what kind huge, of huge, mm -hmm. huge, huge amount? Because I was naturally a very argumentative person growing up, mm -hmm. um, and I had to realize it wasn't a matter of how strongly you believed in something; it was more of how true the thing you believe in is, mm -hmm. right? Because I can argue very vehemently about things that aren't true, and that's not going to get me anywhere. So when I was introduced to this concept that there are actual evidence, philosophies, reasonings behind these things that I was starting to believe, it rocked my world, launched me into uh, many, many years worth of study, um, debate. I usually would go out onto campus, Jeremy a little bit too, we would go onto campus and just walk up to random people and start conversations about spirituality, philosophy, and what we all believed. Mm -hmm. um, and just from finding, just from doing that and finding out what other people believed, the experiences they've had, it really helped solidify not only what I believed, but how I can determine what truth is. Mm -hmm. So the apologetics played a huge role in, in my own spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for explaining that, that part of your story. Our, our last podcast, we talked with Jordan Apodaca about the need for apologetics and Christians to pursue uh, that area. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome to hear that personal story that you have of how apologetics uh, brought you closer to Christ in, in a relationship with him. Yep. Yeah, so, so thanks for sharing that. So now turning to this this concept of saving time, of being productive mm -hmm. with your time, wh what experiences do you have where you would say that you would, you're qualified to talk about this topic sure. with, with other people and kind of give wisdom towards how we can be productive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't say I'm an expert in productivity by any mm -hmm. means, by any stretch of the imagination, but I would consider myself really a student of it. Um, I became aware of how to utilize time and be productive during my last semester in college. That was a little bit of a perfect storm. I'd gotten married three weeks before the semester started, so instantly my understanding of what my time was, that changed right away, because now I have someone else that I'm sharing my life with. But as far as the school side goes, I was taking 18 credits, including two capstone courses. Mm -hmm. I was treasurer of my fraternity. I spent about 18 hours a week leading our campus ministry. I counted. <laughs> um, and additionally, at the, towards the end of the semester, I started raising support to do that f full year of ministry work. So it was very, very busy. There were a lot of demands on me from a lot of different areas. Uh, all of that in addition to learning, how do I become a husband, mm -hmm. right? How do I incorporate this into my life and have yeah. my own spiritual life, not just fall into blazes, mm -hmm. right? How do I make sure my own walk doesn't suffer? Right. So all that to say, at no point during the semester did I become burned out or mm -hmm. miss out on a responsibility or let people down. And that's because I became very ruthless with how I was managing my time. Hmm. If, if you ask anyone who was around me at that point, they would have told you, I always had a day planner that was about this thick. <laughs> Each day had two pages, right? Uh -huh. and, I, and you could see me writing in that all day long. I would highlight things. and. It was very, very 
it was a good tool for me to use to make sure things were going well, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, but since then, I've been continuing learning. How do I be more productive? How do I make sure I'm putting things into practice? Uh, you know, there's peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Sometimes are a lot easier than others. And now with a toddler, with a demanding career, this idea of productivity is really, really important for me to be putting into practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a lot of things going on in your life at that po- at that point in your life, and and still continuing on today. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, people might be watching this saying like that's that's cool. You know, you're able to be produ- productive in your work and in, in parenting, but how does this relate to apologetics? Because that's that's what we're here mm-hmm. for here for our podcast, Twin Cities Apologetics. Yeah. So, how would you say this concept of being productive with the time that we have relates to apologetics or making a case for Christianity. Yeah, I would say it's really a matter of putting your money where your mouth is. Mm. So I personally believe, and you can call it the Protestant work ethic or whatever you want, but I think that Christians should be the most productive members of any society. You know, in scripture, there's a theme of believers pursuing excellence in everything that they do. You look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So what that means is if we're a plumber, if we're an astrophysicist, if we're a professor, if we're a lawyer, if we're a bus driver, we should be viewing ourselves as being employed by God. Mm -hmm. And that should be influencing the way that we work, the way that we use our time. And First, excuse me, specifically for the apologetic side, you know, I think of First Peter three fifteen. Always be prepared to have a defense for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, how in the world are you going to be prepared if you don't have time to read and learn and study? Mm-hmm. That's very true, and especially with all the material that's out there. I mean, we have these different areas. We have history, science, philosophy, things mm-hmm. to consider when it comes to how do we know that Christianity is true, and how do we explain those things to other people. Well, along with that, you have things like maybe you're a parent. Yeah. Maybe you're going to school, doing something else, or working like I'm an accountant. I do that. Mm-hmm. So how do we fit this research and consideration of these ideas into our busy schedule already? So that, that's one area of that preparation, being prepared, you're talking about. That is a huge thing oh, when definitely. it comes to how we spend our time and wanting to pursue this area of, of apologetics. Yeah, and you used the phrase earlier of saving time. You really need to think of it more as redeeming time mm-hmm. because time whether we are aware of it or not it's going to be spent somehow mm-hmm. it's just a matter of is it going to be something that was worthwhile or not mm-hmm. very good point yes thanks dylan all right well with that said let's go into this topic of pro- productivity and how we can pursue that mm-hmm. so first thing i want to ask is what are some main things we can do to be productive with our time to to go down that path of productivity uh, we can maybe start with one or two things and then see how many we can get through from there. Sure. So let's say the, the top one or two things, we can start there. All right. Well, definitely <laughs> the top thing that all of us need to do is eliminate the word feel from our vocabulary. And here's what I mean by that. This one thing, it usually derails every American because we live in so much comfort. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy, I know you work out. How often do you wake up in the morning and think, I don't really feel like working out today. I think I'll skip. <laughs> well, I work out during lunchtime usually, but when it gets to that point during lunch, yeah, I can definitely feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> Say I want out. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if you talk to a lot of people, most people want to change something about their life, whether it's their fitness, 
how much they can read or study, how much time they can spend with their kids. They all want to change something, but most people don't actually do anything to cause that change. And that's because we usually find ourselves saying things like, I don't feel like doing any more work. I feel too tired. I had a hard day and I feel like taking it easy. I don't feel like studying my Bible. I don't feel like helping that person. And it's terrible, right? We're completely falling into this trap that you have to feel like doing something in order to actually do it. I think of 100 years ago, what if someone would have said, I don't feel like plowing the fields today. Right, right. that would have been really bad. Mm -hmm. And yet we're using that as an excuse in our day-to-day -day lives. But that couldn't be further from the truth. So that's number one, get rid of the word feel. Mm -hmm. If you do that, I think you're already way ahead of the game compared to a lot of other people. Yeah, and one comment to make on that, that, that kind of, that's kind of in line with the, the concept of obedience in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That despite how we feel, let's, you, you mentioned the example, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. Yeah. Well, as Christians and wanting to walk on a daily basis with God, uh, being in scripture and, and reading truth in that way that God has revealed is important. So despite the feeling that, hey, I don't really want to read the Bible today, uh, a lot of Christians still do so on a daily basis or as much as they can uh, on that basis of obedience, mm -hmm. despite how they feel. So I think that can apply to a lot of things in our Christian lives. Definitely. And, you know, I'm a parent of a toddler right now. Obedience is a very important thing that we're trying to instill. And I'm sure most parents can relate to this. Your child does not feel like doing anything that you want them to do. Uh -huh. And you have to instill this, this value that it's not about your feelings. There is an obedience factor that has to be taken into account. Right. Okay, so you want to go on to the ne next thing? Yeah. yeah. So the number two thing, if you want to be more productive with your time, is stop playing so much. This one is really going to sting uh, because of the culture we live in. Mm -hmm. And John Piper, love the guy, he has a great description of this. Uh, he said, more and more and more, America is a nation given over to play. The industries of play are huge. Houses are built today with entertainment centers. Computers and videos and television and stereo all coordinate to give us ever more stimulating and captivating distractions from the reality of the world. When we need to be dreaming for the glory of Christ about how to spend our lives alleviating ignorance and sickness and misery and lostness, we're becoming more and more addicted to amusement. Mm. So there's these two competing worlds. One world that says we need to be self-sacrificing and putting other needs, others' needs before our own. Mm -hmm. And this other notion that says you need to be comforted. You need to only do things you feel like doing. You have to enjoy yourself, right? Uh, when I think of some of the changes I've made in my life to be more productive, almost all of them involve entertainment, specifically mm -hmm. getting rid of it, mm -hmm. right? When you're really crunched for time, let's say you have a big deadline at work. You mentioned you were just finishing a big project right. and it was pretty stressful. Or the kids are being a challenge. You don't know how you're going to get everything done. What's the thing you usually get rid of first? Uh, I, entertainment, I suppose? or Probably not, okay. actually. <laughs> okay. You know, I know with me, if I'm really being honest, the first thing I want to get rid of is my spiritual life. Right. right? I, don't yeah, view that, yeah. I don't view that as the most conducive to getting more work done. Uh -huh. Right. We don't get rid of the entertainment first. In fact, we usually use a stressful time as an excuse to seek more entertainment. Yeah. Right. We, we earned it. Right. We feel justified in that. Yep. Uh, instead of seeking the Lord for strength, I seek Netflix for strength. Mm -hmm. Instead of finding joy in my salvation, we find joy in telling others how busy we are. 
Sure. And so the second thing is making sure you have to stop playing so much mm-hmm. because that's going to derail you faster than anything else. Mm-hmm. So someone in that, let's say, in a position where it's like, okay, I watch a few Netflix shows during the week. Mm-hmm. Are you saying it's a bad thing that I do that? No. Uh, okay. No, no, not at all. And and we can get to this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. There, There is a place for rest. There's a place for relaxation. There's a place for... Uh, unwinding and letting go of tension, mm-hmm. but we have to be very aware of when we're seeking entertainment and what we're going to in times of stress, mm-hmm. because that, usually we're looking for something to distract us. Yeah, that makes sense, and that that's something that happens in my life a lot. <laughs> so um, I I'll be the first to to confess that <laughs> that I'm a you know someone who goes into that sort of thing to. Uh, get rid of stress that's in my life, or I always feel like I want to get rid of the stress I'm going through finishing a paper or a project. That's something that I'll turn to, and it's, it's like, oh, it's fine that I watch this thing for a half hour or an hour, but over time, that can really add up. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't realize it in the moment, it really can. Yeah, the average American spends three hours a day watching television, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, if you ask them, what did you even watch? I don't know, whatever was on. Right, <laughs> sure. And if you, if you allow me to get a third, I don't know if we have yeah, time. Yeah, we have time, yep. Sure, so the third thing would be learning how to rest properly. I think the reason that we're typically all so tired isn't because mm-hmm. we're addicted to work. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people aren't addicted to work, mm-hmm. but it's because we don't know how to actually rest. When I was in college, if I wanted to rest, I'd usually turn on the Xbox, mm-hmm. right? And playing, playing a video game with friends for a couple of hours, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not inherently bad. And it can be relaxing, but it's not restorative. What I mean by that is, after I was done playing, I didn't feel ready to go be more productive. In fact, I felt like I needed more rest. Okay. Right. So I wasn't restored to be able to be doing something afterwards. If anything, uh, we we fall into this notion where rest and work can kind of get miscombobulated, get switched around. We think a lot of times of, if I open my Bible, that's hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to study, I have to think, I have to apply what I'm reading and learning. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's completely contrary to what Jesus would say. And come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that the things that we think will give us rest really don't. A lot of times that that's true, mm-hmm. right? True rest restores you and prepares you for another day's work. Mm -hmm. Most people jam-pack their schedules so tightly with unnecessary things that by the time the weekend rolls around, they need distractions. They need to forget about all their obligations and things that have taken up their time. Mm -hmm. So instead of resting during the weekend, they, they waste a lot of time with things that don't restore them mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And then we get to Monday not being restored, but instead being even more drained and it's a wonder why people hate Mondays so much, right? right yeah. We're not preparing. We're mm-hmm. not restoring. And it's amazing. A lot of times to go faster, to get more done, you need to slow down. You need to stop what you are doing mm-hmm. and find true rest to prepare you. Um, Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uses the idea of sharpen the saw. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're cutting down a tree, at some point you have to stop and sharpen your axe. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just going to be harder and harder and harder because your axe is going to get dull. Mm-hmm. You can think of uh, ourselves in the same way as that axe. Yeah. So we're constantly dulling ourselves, mm-hmm. even if we don't realize it or think that it is sharpening. Again, it's going more in that detrimental kind of direction. Definitely. In terms of our 
rest and how we feel that way. Mm -hmm. And if you're wondering, well, what, what is true rest? How can I restore myself? Think of it this way. If you had an unlimited amount of time, you could do whatever you wanted, what would you do then? Whatever that answer is, is probably something that's restorative to you. Mm -hmm. I know my wife, for instance, absolutely loves to garden. That is very life-giving to her. Mm -hmm. You know, when she's done gardening, she feels ready to go, go and do more work, to be more productive. Mm -hmm. You gotta find what that is for you. Okay, I see. So you talked about this uh, kind of scheduling system that you had, where you had two pages of notes per day kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so people, um, kind of pursuing entertainments and spending a lot of time on that. Uh, I'm thinking maybe there's a way where that kind of scheduling process could help someone in that position of scheduling things that let's say are important to them over something like entertainment. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's something that's helpful? And if so, how can someone start going about that process of the, the scheduling? Definitely. And again, entertainment in and of itself isn't bad. It's mm -hmm. just we we use it improperly. Right. If I have my, my day planner, for instance, I can write rest over a big chunk of time. And that's, that's not unwise for me to do because I'm planning and I'm accommodating the fact that I need rest. Mm -hmm. And I can do whatever it is restorative to me. Maybe, maybe sometimes that is, I'm gonna watch a movie for an hour and a half. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to create a plan for that. Otherwise you're gonna fall into a black hole of time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So setting aside time for something like entertainment, which can be restful and it can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. And even something where if you spend time with others can be a way to connect with other people and build those relationships. Yeah. So, but the idea is set aside time for that. Is that what I'm yeah. understanding right? Okay. Yeah. You have to give everything its own time and place, mm -hmm. right? When I need to work, I need to work. When I need to uh, invest in relationships, I need to invest in relationships. I can't be crossing and mishmashing everything because then nothing uh, is healthy, nothing gets productive. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, we're gonna, stick to, we're gonna take a little break here and just go into a, a second segment where we'll be talking about uh, things that people might say and how Dylan uh, might respond to them regarding time and, and their lives. So thanks for joining me for this first part here and we'll uh, See you back for part two. Thanks,